Hello and welcome to another episode of the Godly Grown Podcast. I am your host, John Cooper, and here at the Godly Grown Podcast, we train Christians to be better soldiers <clears throat> and soldiers to be better Christians. Um, we are in the beautiful Niagara Falls, New York. It's September, so it's starting to, the leaves are starting to turn, which fall is always my favorite time of year. Uh, just the stuff about fall. I love apple cider. Being from New York, apples are our thing, and I love me some apple cider. If you're up at the Fort Drum area, Burville Cider Mill, my boys, that's <clears throat> that's the place to go, Burville Cider Mill. So, um, yeah, today we are going to be continuing in on our series on voting with an open Bible. What voting with an open Bible is, is it is a uh, teaching that I am going through with my church. Uh, by the time this is released, I will actually be teaching uh, this topic um, <clears throat> that we're talking about tomorrow on uh, on Sunday for our Sunday school. Uh, Bible Institute is what we call our Sunday schools here uh, at Niagara Community Church. <clears throat> and I'll be teaching this subject, yeah, tomorrow. Uh, at the time of this release, and I've been doing their really 15-minute segments when I teach them. Then we have some answer and uh, some question and answer time. But uh, what this is, this is to kind of expound on it just a little bit more because uh, these topics can be talked about even more than I'm going to talk about them. Um, and this topic specifically, I do plan on having... Um, someone else come on to talk about this later after uh, this series about education is what this this episode is on is education and what it'll be on is really the education in the military um, and how we how is the best way as soldiers and I'm no longer a soldier but when I was in I have kids, um, as we're traveling from duty station to duty station, what really is some of the best methods of education? Um, and so in talking about education as a Christian in a larger context. So uh, that's coming down the pike. But this episode of Godly Garm Podcast, the series Voting with an Open Bible, is on education. And what you're going to notice in all of these from now on, because now we're actually getting into the topics before we were kind of laying some groundwork of what the government is, <clears throat> Christian response to it. Uh, last week's was a sermon on a response to the sitting president of the United States and his um, address to the nation that he had gave, where he called people who held the Christian worldview extremists and enemies of the Republic. And so how are we as people who hold the Christian worldview to uh, think about that? And now we're really going to be getting in the nitty gritty topics. What does the Bible say about these things? But what you're really going to see through these is it's not so much does the Bible say about education. I said my kids, public school, private school, or homeschool. And an argument can be made, and I've heard an argument from scripture on all three um, <clears throat> from people. But what we're really going to be talking about in these sessions is who is responsible. Who is responsible? Children are 
a blessing from the Lord as we view them as parents and as really as churches should view them. We should not, you know, sit in our churches and if someone decides to keep their kid in the service instead of going to children's church, we should not be upset about that. That's good. It's a good thing. It's a blessing that we are bringing up children in the Lord. But as a nation, a nation, state, county, city, have a vested interest in the children that live there. If we want society to survive, we need to have a vested interest in our children. The children die off, the nation dies off. If if children are poorly cared for, poorly educated, and not physically capable, then the nation does not have a bright future in front of them. And so as we look at the future of our children, we'll start with education. And I, I do think, and, I, and we're going to see this as we go through this, is that there's a lot more to education than math, <laughs> reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Like there's a lot more to it. And so education is always a subject that is brought up in elections, whether it be local or national. And in the United States, the federal government may have opinions on how a children should be, child should be educated, but they don't have really the say. The say is your city, town, county. Um, you have a school board, right? That's, that's more what's the decisions for education. Now, there are some federal policies that get put down, and states can battle through that. But most places you vote on a school board or a board of education, something like that. So we want to look at what does the Bible say about education and where do we put our um, vote <clears throat> as we think about that. Now, as we looked at in the first session, God has delegated three distinct spheres of authority under his sovereign rule over the earth. So it's like, you know, if in the Marines, from what I understand, is they have three fire teams under the squad. So that's like your three fire team leaders are your three spheres of authority all under that squad leader who, you know, God. And so some squad leaders think they're God, but that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother story. But our um, distinct, the spheres are the church, the family, and the civil government, right? Then all these spheres, we must remember that there are personal responsibilities that come. There's a leader, right? So for the family, it's the father. For the church, it's the elders. And for the civil government, it is the magistrate, the leader, however it's designated in whatever country you're in. Here it is, here it is the Constitution of the United States is what, what rules us. But the people under that who enforce those laws, the president, the uh, Congress, you know, you can look at all this stuff, right? <clears throat> Going down the line. And these spheres, these leaders. So elected officials, elders, and fathers will be held accountable for how they perform. And we get that from Matthew 25, 14 to 30. And in light of this, <clears throat> under whose authority does education fall? Whose authority is education? And most of us, because of the rhetoric that we hear on the news, on conversations around the water cooler type deal, well, it's the civil government because it's such a talking point education 
education. I have school taxes that I have to pay. I have all this stuff. I, it has to be the state, the civil government, because even Christian schools, they have to fall under certain state guidelines. But that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that the family is the delegated authority to educate their children. There are three main modes of education. This is just being very general, but there are three main modes. There's public schools, Christian or private schools, and homeschool. These are the three main modes of education that we see in our nation. But Christ delegates, doesn't matter which mode that you choose, Christ delegates the responsibility of educating children to parents. So in this this podcast, in this talk, we are going to focus on who is responsible for the education of children, how are the children supposed to be educated, and who helps the family accomplish this. Again, that's who is responsible. How is the child to be educated and who helps the family in the education of these children? First Bible verse, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now we're going to read a much larger portion of scripture, um, Deuteronomy 6, the entire chapter. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments, which Yahweh your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may might do it in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear Yahweh, your God, to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am commanding you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. O Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, just as Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall speak to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as phylacteries. Sorry, I'm I'm dumb. I'm a grunt. So that word is really throwing me for a trip <laughs> between your eyes. Uh, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it will be when Yahweh your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you great and good cities which you will which you did not build and houses full of good things which you did not fill and <clears throat> hewn cisterns which you did not dig vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you will eat and be satisfied then beware lest you forget Yahweh who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery Yahweh your God you shall fear and him you shall serve and by his name you shall swear you shall not walk after other gods and <clears throat> any of the gods of the people who surround you. For Yahweh your God is in the midst of you is a jealous God. Lest the anger of Yahweh your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. 
You shall not put Yahweh your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You should diligently keep the commandments of Yahweh your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of Yahweh, that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the land which Yahweh swore to give your fathers by driving out all your enemies before you, as Yahweh has spoken. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and statutes of the judgments mean which Yahweh our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and Yahweh brought us from Egypt with a strong hand. Moreover, Yahweh showed great and calamitous signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. But he brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us a land which he had sworn to our fathers. So Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh, our God, for our good all the days, and for our survival as it is today. And it will be righteousness for us. And if we are careful to do all this commandment before Yahweh, our God, just as he commanded us. So for me, these are the two main passages in education. Fathers are to raise their children in the discipline instruction of the Lord. And Deuteronomy 6 kind of explains what that means, right? Obviously, we are not Israel. I do not believe that um, the church in America is the new Israel, right? I do believe that we are the covenant people. I believe that those who are saved in Israel are part of the church um, because the church, big C, means all who were elect from past, present, future. So I, but I do not believe, I am not a, a full-blown theonomist personally, um, but we have a lot of instruction here given to us in the law of God as to how we are to train our children up in the Lord. This is our explanation. This is our guidepost for how we are to do this, Okay. And first we see in this passage that it is parents and more particularly the father's responsibility to train his children. It's the father's responsibility. Now, does this mean that the father needs to be one teaching the class? Does that mean that me, I, as a father, that I need to quit my job or work and then come home and teach my kids in a homeschool environment as the father? No. Although that is the case in some people's lives, and some people do feel that that's what they need to do. Roger, track and all. What this is saying is that the father is the one who is responsible for knowing and directing the child's education. We just started homeschooling uh, my oldest, who is three and a half. <laughs> He's a young, a youngin. Um, but we started with a little preschool that we do for like forty-five minutes or whatever it, however long it is, it's not very long, but it's getting him introduced to schooling. Right. And I don't teach that. My wife does, but I ask how school went. We together, we got together and we said, okay, what, what curriculums are we looking at? What, what is his level? He's three. What can he handle? What can we provide? And we went through that thing. Right. Education, though, is not just reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
educating a child covers every aspect of life. And though things like reading, writing, math, science, history, and physical health, among all these other things are important, but they pale in comparison. They just are so small in comparison to knowing and worshiping God. And it is the father's responsibility to teach his children the word of God, to catechize his kids. I'm a big fan of catechism. The catechism, there's also the Baptist catechism for boys and girls. Those are the two that I like. We are responsible for teaching our children the word of God as fathers. If you're a single mother listening to this, well, it's your responsibility. If you're married to some, your spouse is not a Christian, it's your responsibility. If your child's public schooled, it's your responsibility. If your child's Christian schooled, it's your responsibility. If your child spends every day at church, it's your responsibility. We see in the passage that education is meant to be passed down the teachings and lifestyle that we have to our children. And that's in verse 2 of Deuteronomy 6. As Christians, this means we teach our children the fear of the Lord and to keep his commandments and statutes. That is what we should want for our children and the children of this entire country. That there should be a great, if there is to be a great revival, right, in the hearts of kids, we, we want to see this, but we have to train them to fear the Lord and to keep his commandments. In context, the law of God is <clears throat> what be what is being taught to children. As we know, Christ fulfilled the law, and the ceremonial and judicial laws no longer apply to us. However, the moral law of God is still in effect. Although the condemnation of it does not apply to those who are in Christ. Teaching these moral laws to our children now to properly act as God intended is our responsibility. We should teach them all of this. We teach them the ceremonial law so they can see more fully what Christ did for us. We teach our kids the judicial law. So that way, this judicial law, we teach everyone, not just our kids. This judicial law we can now glean insight to how God governs and how we are to govern from that. Along with teaching the commands of God and our children, we also be educate them on history. And there's an old saying that applies here and forever <laughs> is that history, uh, those who don't learn history, it's going to repeat itself. History repeats itself. So we must learn history to guide us. And that is what Moses is saying here. Along with teaching the commands and statutes, the father is to ensure that his children are learning what God has done for them. In America, we would say learning about the foundation of our country so we don't lose that anymore, right? If we just give them commands without knowing who God is and what he has done, then the commands are just a cold law. But when you know the lawgiver, it draws you to want to please him more. You know, we just follow the the who, what, when, we're wise, right? The five W's. And we see now that the, the when or of educating our children, when you raise up and when you lie down, right? It implies all day that we are to be teaching our children constantly. Obviously, our children need to learn more than just theology. 
They need to be learning the basics of life, like math and history. However, <clears throat> everything in life and throughout the day has an opportunity to educate our children about God's word. Every, every problem is a theological problem, right? Everything we do must be run through. What does God's word say about it? Where are we to educate our children? Again, who, what, when, or why? Where? The answer is education is happening everywhere. When you sit in your house, when you walk on the way. The imagery of the house is used throughout this passage. Children are to be educated in the home. The home is a place of comfort and is designed to point us towards God. Our houses are to be places that point all those who wander in towards our great God. And when our children are in our homes, they will be pointed towards our Lord. And lastly, the why. Why are we to educate our children in this way? O Israel, you shall listen and be careful to do it, that you that it may be well with you and that you might multiply greatly, just as Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing of milk and honey. This was a promise specifically to Israel. However, the principle is seen all throughout Scripture, that when people of a nation follow the law of God, they are blessed. You know, when the unrighteous rule, what happens? The people groan. They groan. Look at the United States, for example. Just as an example. We have laws that are based on biblical principles. Right? That's why, that's why our Constitution has been so long-lasting. Because when people follow God's moral law at a basic level, God blesses them with the freedom. And we need to ensure our children are properly educated to fear the Lord so that our nation here in America survives. If we want our nation to survive, we need to educate our children as to what this nation is. And not only that, what God wants them to do. What is the moral law? To fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. So, who aids the parent in education? Well, here in Deuteronomy 6, we do that Moses commanded the people who taught it to their children. So we learn that <clears throat> we learn about the Lord in church and other places when we take our we take our continued education, and then when as we learn, we teach our children. We pass along what we're learning. And this is true in all aspects of life. We need to teach our children and grandchildren the things and lessons that we ourselves have learned. So who, who's aiding in this? The church is aiding in this. Pastors, as we're, uh, as we're in this mode of teaching and, and focusing on the word and calling our people to focus on the word, we need to, to aid our parents that are in our congregations as to how they're going to pass that along to their children. Because as the parents are being educated, they are educating their children. And you may be thinking, this is all well and good, but are you implying that we are to homeschool? I think homeschooling is a good model because it ensures <laughs> the parents are in control of the child's learning because they are literally the ones teaching it to them. 
and of the Father will answer to God for all that is taught. And he can more closely control what he's teaching, him and his wife. So you're going to stand before judgment. You have a lot better idea of controlling what your child's learning in their education when you give an account to God than uh, if you send them off somewhere else. That's a fact because you're the one, it's you and your wife, right? But however, I don't think the Bible says thou shalt homeschool. Not everyone has time or can even afford to homeschool. They may not have the money to send their kids or grandkids to a Christian school either. Does that mean it's a sin or outside God's will to send them to public education? I don't believe so. But I want to make sure this point is understood. That even though the father is sending his kids to public education, that doesn't mean the public educator takes that responsibility from him. He will still account. He will still be looked at as a steward. So, in New York, if I send my kid off to a school that tries to Tell kids that the Bible's not real, that and all the other filth they're trying to spoon feed our kids about the LBGTQ agenda, about all this stuff, right? If I send my children there, then I need to take the time to uneducate them on that stuff. I cannot come home, flip the TV on, and just ignore that my child just had five hours of indoctrination. I need to know what they're learning. I need to know what I have to say to them. So if you can't afford Christian school or homeschooling, this is not the situation you're in. This is the responsibility of a father or the single mother or the mother who has an unbelieving spouse. We do see state education in the Bible. I'm going to pull it up right now. So bear with me. I didn't have it ready. We do see this state education in the Bible. And where we see it, is in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. We'll start at verse 3. And the king said to Azapath, <clears throat> Azapenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal seed and of the nobles, youth in whom there was no defect, who were good in appearance, showing insight in every branch of wisdom, being thoroughly knowledgeable and discerning in knowledge, and who had ability to stand in the king's palace and said for him to teach them the literature and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily ration of the king's choice food and from wine which he drank, and appointed them that they should be educated three years 
at the end of which they were to stand before the king. Now among them, but the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. And the commander of the officials set for names, Daniel, he said, <clears throat> set their name as Belshazzar, for Hananiah, Shadrach, for Mishael, Meshach, and for Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel set in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander and the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel loving kindness and compassion before the commander and officials. But the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink that we should see your faces looking more haggard than the youths are your own age or that your own age, then you would make me forfeit my own head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer who commit whom the commander and the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given vegetables and water to drink. And he goes on about his appearance and he listened to them. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that their appearance was better, and they were fatter than all the youths that had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer withheld and gave them the water and vegetables. And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and insight in every branch of literature and wisdom. In every branch. And Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Daniel had some resistance to what he was being told to be educated and do by the state. And in verse 20, we even see, as for every manner of wisdom and understanding which the king sought from them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in the kingdom. And Daniel continued into the first year of Cyrus, or Cyrus the king. So what we're seeing here is that they did go through the state education. They couldn't avoid it. There were certain things they avoided that they knew they could not do. Right? And they avoided them. But God gave them the knowledge and wisdom is what it says here. It says that God gave them insight and understanding. Of the literature. God gives them that understanding. The understanding came from God's word. And it was ten times better. Than anything else. In a system. That is forcing things down the throat. Of our children. That are against God's word. And trying to make them acceptable. And we look at Romans 1, which you know, I, which is the last podcast. Well, they're not just trying to give hearty approval. They're trying to force you to give hearty approval. We cannot do that. Because God's word, God's knowledge... Even the pagan king understood was 10 times better than his most educated, than his most trustworthy.
And so I say all that to say, as we're looking at voting, we're looking at what to cast our vote towards as a Christian. What candidate for the school board, for the education, or for the governor, for your county legislator, whatever it is, because we're not voting on a president right now, but even your president. What candidate wants to put the most hands, or excuse me, the most power in the hands of the person responsible before God for the education of their children? What do I mean by that? What candidate is most pro-parent in education? That's how you know. If God put the parents responsible for the education of their children, then the magistrate that wants to put that choices of education into the hand of the parent the most, that is the one who we're supposed to cast our vote towards. And the parent has the steering wheel of what's being taught to their children. Whether that be a school choice policy or one that just the parents are more involved, that's what we need to go towards. We as Christians should be on these school boards. <laughs> Amen. We should be running for these. If you're not doing anything, you know, a passion for education, get involved in the school board. Go to these meetings. Advocate for a lifestyle that's, that is equivalent with God's word. Or not equivalent, sorry. That's in line with God's word. That's what we're to be doing. So who's responsible for education? It's the parent. So who should have the choice of what happens? It's the parent. When the parents say this should not be taught in our schools and the school boards fight that, well, then you know that that's not a, a good person for that. These are not people who should be in that position. And so I hope this was uh, this helps educate you, edify you on uh, when in November here. Just in a couple months, when we're going to be looking at uh, voting on these issues. Next week is going to be on abortion. We're sticking with children. So, what does the, the Word of God say about abortion? And what is the what policy should we be pursuing as Christians in light of that? And so, again, I hope this uh, edified your faith. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the Godly Grunts. You can email me at thegodlygrunt.com or .com, thegodlygrunt at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions, we have a website. You can get into that from the uh, other social medias. Uh, you, you can access our website through that. We also uh, are involved in a support group, veteran support group, which is the Godly Grunt veteran support group. <laughs> Uh, and that is a Christian gospel centered support group for veterans in the Niagara area. So if you're in the Buffalo area, Niagara Falls, we invite you to come out. It's the first and third Monday of the month. Uh, we meet at Niagara community church, which you can, uh, go Google that and you'll find the address. 
Um, it's one zero five zero zero Cayuga Drive in Niagara Falls. Um, I also work at Niagara Gospel Mission, which is a homeless shelter that is again Christian centered. We don't take federal funding that would uh, prohibit us from sharing the gospel. And we have a veteran homeless veteran shelter that has been started in there uh, since I've worked there. And so uh, Godly Grunts is involved in that, educating um, those veterans on the word of God and leading some to Christ, which has been amazing. And so uh, we're really appreciative of you guys listening. And I encourage you until next time, climb for his glory.